0: Hello and a very warm welcome to the reenactors ramble episode 66 it's a beautiful spring evening here in the northeast of england and the sun is perfect for those few beers around the campfire but alas we're limited to digital reenacting experiences because it's a tuesday evening sadly in the uk and we've just come off the back of a four-day bank holiday reenacting extravaganza for those that were involved in certain events this weekend so anyway speaking of uh, of beers today's episode is all about alcohol in the hobby. Now, some people are going to be very excited by that. Some people are going to be pulling long faces uh, and feeling pretty upset about that. And that's what we're going to be discussing today, just the contrasting views in the hobby, alcohol's place in the hobby, and I guess just how uh, how it might evolve in the future for, for better or for worse. But without further ado, Today I'm joined by uh, Lance from Portland, Oregon, and Julian from Michigan, all the way from the United States. Um, and it's going to be a little bit of a banana skin of an episode, I think, but uh, before we dive into it, um, how are you guys doing today?
1: Doing well. How are you?
0: Yeah, very, very well. It's, uh, I'm, I'm glad to finally get you guys on because we spoke, spoke to both of you guys in the past, uh, both joined some of our Zoom calls in the past as well, so it's great to have you guys on as a, as guests. And Lance, how are you doing today as well?
2: Doing really well. Thanks for having me on.
0: No problem. It's an absolute pleasure. And uh, you guys picked up any kit recently? Have you been to any events? Been doing anything interesting inside the hobby?
1: Um, I've just been like working on our women's baseball team.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So we're uh, we're working on growing that. Um, recruiting is in pretty big swing here right now, um, and we're just working on like getting some merchandise out so we can like buy some things for our team. Um, but we're kind of taking a little bit of a hiatus, so it's nice that we can dive in other kits, so I'm also working on uh, Army Nurse Corps.
0: Nice, nice, nice. Mm-hmm. How about you, Lance?
2: Uh, just got back from a week in Oklahoma, jumping out of a perfectly good 80-year-old C-47. <laughs> as um, you
0: do, as you do.
2: As I do on occasion. It was, uh, it was an exciting, exciting week, need- needless to say, um, and I picked up a few... First special forces, uh, first special service forces items. Nice. In the last month or so, I've been kind of excited about
0: that. Awesome. Now speaking of bargains as well, I had a couple <clears> of things, <throat> and I wanted to speak to some of the public as well this weekend. So I have uh, I've been borrowing a pair of officer's boots from, from one of my good friends for about two years now, and uh, I picked up these little beauties on the on the weekend for the pricely sum of twenty pounds. Now, for anybody who's on YouTube, you can see this, and it, I'm not just gloating. But I wanted to tell, talk to people a little lesson about uh, about collecting out there. So Craig and I touched upon uh, last week, a little point on collecting that. Um, there's often lots of questions from uh, from people out there. How do you find these things? I'd I have no luck, I can't find things. And we talked about putting in the effort and putting in the hard miles to go out there and find things. And what was it this weekend? I mentioned it was Easter weekend. I was having a day out with the family. Really didn't fancy it that much. You know, I had to drive 100 miles to go meet them. And anyway, long story short, I'm on this sort of family, family day trip out there. And there's a there's an antique shop I've been in a couple of times. It's it's not really on route, but I'm like, mm. long story short, there's never anything in there. But I thought I'm just just going to stop in this antique shop. You know, bearing around, I didn't really want to go to the family day out. Didn't really want to go to the antique shop. I thought I'll just stop in there, had a look around, couldn't really find anything. One final glance, I thought I'll have a little, another little look, and then moved a couple of picture frames about, and just behind, spotted a brown boot and thought, hmm, what's up there? Long story short, these boots, original officer's wartime boots, been looking for them for like three or four years, 20 pounds, they're worth 200 pounds. And it's just, again, it's that element of just trying a little bit harder, that one final look, that little final effort, whether that's eBay, phys- whether it's physical, digital, Facebook marketplace. So just a lesson for everybody out there, don't give up and just keep looking because you just don't know what's around the corner.
2: It, it's, always, mm-hmm. it's always that feeling you get, well, maybe I should have looked a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. um and a little yeah. bit further and then when you, when it finally pays off it it is such a great feeling
0: totally is, especially you know these are like dusty and <clears throat> a, you know a little bit of leather replenishment on there and, and they're looking fantastic and i was literally about to walk out and i just thought i oh, just just one final look because i didn't want to leave without being disappointed you know and certainly didn't but yes lesson to everybody out there take that one final look that's awesome Cool. good stuff right now let's dive into to alcohol as he uh, as he's sipping a beer I think Lance you've got one there Jillian, are you uh, are you on the hard stuff I or are you on the uh, soft drinks today
1: I have oh. I have like a little mix myself
0: is that a whiskey sour as <laughs> I see or is it something very similar
1: um well since it's 2 30 here in Michigan um and I have a couple things to do this evening I'm just doing like a, a black tea with um, lavender syrup and lemon
0: juice so just mm. kind of
1: going a little Ooh. Well, right. easy, but I have I have some drinks for this afternoon and this evening, so.
0: Cool. Well, it looks like a whiskey sour anyway, so, and we don't want everybody we'll, to think we'll that we're extreme, that. we are, it's pretend whiskey sours, everybody, and we don't want everyone to think that we're extremely <coughs> biased here, you know, these non-drinkers are going to be listening, thinking, well, we've got three alcoholics drinking at 2.30 in the afternoon here, so, <laughs> I promise the guys don't usually drink at 2.30 in the afternoon, they're just, they, they gave up their time, uh, especially for me in the UK here, so. Thank you very much, guys, for uh, drink- drinking and pretend drinking at 2.30 in the afternoon anyway.
2: <laughs> Always a pleasure.
0: Good, good. Right. So so I guess, where, where do we start? Because I guess for people that are fairly new to the hobby or maybe entering the hobby, because we do have people who listen to the podcast who are thinking about getting into the hobby or just like collecting, um, we don't just run around drinking you know, bottles of Budweiser all day long in the hobby. It's not that. You know, alcohol has a place in the hobby and it fits around it, or does it have a place at all? We're going to be discussing. But I guess there's, there's a few different types of of drinking. Um, and I guess for most people, I think universally across the globe, if we think about the different kinds of events, Europe, uh, the States, and so on in the UK, I guess public events probably make up the majority of, uh, of the reenacting circuit to a degree. And, and I guess, it's, I don't know if it's the same in the States, but in the UK, it's frowned upon if you drink on your camp at public events.
2: Um, I think most of the public yep. events that I've been to, the, there, there's g- generally no alcohol or right, yep. um, no alcohol displayed at all. Um, that doesn't mean we don't enjoy something after the public's gone home. Mm-hmm. But when the public's there, no, no beer, no booze at all. Mm-hmm. Um, right. so, sometimes you feel like you need one, but um, <laughs> uh, generally, it's it's frowned it's frowned upon uh, mm-hmm. with the public. At least the ones yeah, I've been to.
1: It's- yeah, it's, it's the same over here. So, like, our largest event, um, like Hannah said in her episode, it's D-Day, Conneaut, D-Day Ohio. So, if you go around, like, they have very strict rules as to there's no alcohol during public hours. After, mm-hmm. that's fine. But um, I have seen some reenactors that are just, you know, they're intoxicated during the day and whoever is in charge of that group, they take care of it very swiftly. Mm-hmm. So, you know it's it's handled but for the most part i agree you don't see it
0: yeah so that's that's fairly similar then i guess so i mean <laughs> I, so that the main drinking at public events generally i guess takes place then after hours it's fair to say around a campfire in the uk potentially around a, you know within the b tent, but it's generally after hours at public events yeah,
2: yeah. same same generally uh, there's one event that we we have over that's uh at an old airfield and we will generally drink when we throw up movies on the side of the hangar and watch watch movies at night, but nice. during the day, not at all.
0: Yeah. So we've got the, the public event beers there, like we said. Whether <laughs> that is uh, that nostalgic sitting around a campfire, uh, UK beer tents, like we mentioned there? But um, in the in the UK as well, we've also got daytime event drinking, which which is allowed at, at some events. So there was a weekend uh, mm-hmm. just gone in the UK at a place called uh, Croydon Tramway Museum, uh, which a lot of uh, our good friends are at. And that's, it's a it's a bit of a, what we call, how do we call them in the UK? Uh, but we've got places like Beamish and Craig, which are generally like an open air museum, we call them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're generally sort of large, uh, I guess, immersive environments where you might have whole street scenes, which are built to look like they're from a certain decade or an entire museum. We've got Black Country Museum. There's probably about four or five of them in the UK and you've got trams and old vehicles and buses and pubs and uh they've got like butchers and bakeries and things like that and the whole site you know you might get like a five square mile site of just sort of you know period history basically Um and at these kind of events especially at Crete it's a little bit different at Beamish but you're allowed to drink at the events so you can go to the pub you can park your vehicle outside Um, obviously if you're, if you're driving then you shouldn't be drinking but um, you can park your vehicle outside, and people generally just sit in the vehicles having a drink, and it just looks really, really cool, chilled, relaxed, can events. So that, that's like another angle, I guess, that we've got here in the UK. I don't know if there's anything similar in the in the states at all in that way.
2: I wish there was. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're making me want to come to the UK uh, for many reasons. Same. But No, I haven't been to any events that are similar to that. Um, I've been to a couple of events that were immersive in that way, and but nothing that uh, was anything resembled a, a, a functional town or village mm-hmm. um, and no, no day drinking, unfortunately. Well, or fortunately, um, depending on what you're handling vehicle or, mm-hmm. or weapon.
1: Yeah. It's, it's the same. Like we don't have really anything on the East coast like that. Um, but I, I think that's really cool though, for, if you're doing like authenticity, like if a soldier was on leave or something, you probably find them in the pub. Like, you can get a different kind of idea of how like everyday life was lived it wasn't just Absolutely. around tents and camps and all that stuff so you see a different side of it so i think that's pretty cool and i'm yeah. like i'm jealous i like i'm like, yeah. I'm like Look, lance i want to come over <laughs> i
2: know it's i i am extremely envious um I, and, me too and i didn't uh,
0: even get to go this weekend so i'm, uh, I'm with you guys i'm yeah. envious of everybody who was there i
2: think I think it's, I think Gillian has a really good point about it's, it's another aspect of, of history that you get to experience, particularly for the UK and and as an American being over there during the war, you're not, you're, you're training a lot, you're in camp Uh a lot. You also have those times out and that's part of that experience or trying to experience as much of history as possible. And uh, without that, it's, it's a little one-sided.
0: I completely agree, and that's you know it's something that I was I was going to sort of touch upon a little bit later on. But I think you know since we've uh, since we've segued into that sort of area, it's it's totally true. And one of my big I guess arguments, or and this is something that we'll go into in a little bit, is you know if I speak to a lot of people who potentially don't drink or aren't huge drinkers, and they often sort of say to me, or and I will be honest, at my my own reenactment groups history has been synonymous and the reputation has very much been around people that are in, enjoy their alcohol, whether that's something to be proud of or not, I'm not sure. But um, one of the, you know, whenever we've been questioned on that, one of my answers has always been, you know, alcohol played a huge, huge part back then um, for the men and women within, who served and civilian life in World War II. It was a way of forgetting, it was a way of building camaraderie. So to me, as you mentioned, Lance, you know, to explore all areas of living history, I feel like it's, it's important to drink, you know, <laughs> in certain yeah. ways when it, when appropriate, when you can at hobbies, I think otherwise I think you're missing out largely.
2: I think and um, Jillian cut me off if I'm over, over speaking, but I, I think it's important to experience that environment, whether you drink or not, you can go mm-hmm. and you could be a part of it. And um, I mean, I like beer. I like, a, <laughs> I love a good whiskey. As you guys know, but um, you don't have to be drinking to enjoy it, but having the opportunity to enjoy being in a pub with a bunch of um, like-minded history, for lack of better words, history nerds, Mm -hmm. um, and have conversations about the history um, in, in an environment that may have existed or likely existed back then is important. And it was a stressful time. So people drank. I mean, do you think in the pandemic? I know here in the states, alcohol consumption went through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, I know mine did, yeah. honestly. <laughs> yeah. um, and um, as a stressful time, and and that wasn't even half as stressful. You know, so um, mm-hmm. you know whether you're a drinker or not, it does have a big um, a big part of the warriors uh, and beyond.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with that. And also like to kind of expand on that, like if you were in that time, like you were, if you were an American soldier, like you were probably very, very young. So you're experiencing things that you probably never imagined you would be going through at that time. So to be able to sit down with a couple people and have like a drink or two, it opens doors of conversation. So you have like a more like open flow of conversation. Everyone's not like bottling stuff up. Not saying that they're getting like intoxicated while talking about this, but it's you know having a beer and talking and like saying, "Hey, what's wrong?" So I think that's like another aspect of the story with drinking. But that's just mm-hmm. my view on it.
0: No, absolutely, yeah. I mean, yeah. and we'll, we'll go into some of the, uh, I guess, the positives and, and negatives of, uh, of alcohol and what happens after the alcohol. I think as well because that, that's important to note as well. Um, I think on that side. But just just going back to sort of finish off those uh, those areas of drinking i guess as well so we've, we've covered off the sort of the uh, the uk daytime event type drinking in some of those environments we've covered off the uh, the after hours public events um campfire beers and potentially in the uk we've got the beer tent environment which which some people have um at that same type of event and i guess outside of that there's probably more i guess i'm going to call it an occasion beer or an occasion drink which is uh, very much around i guess in the uk we have dances um there may be uh we might organize a, a night in a pub or a restaurant or something which is a little bit more similar to how an organized dance or social evening might have been back in uh, back in the war years as well so is that something that you guys do in the states quite a bit you know both privately and i guess with other groups
1: uh i think it's a little bit more difficult to do like the restaurant scene just because mm-hmm. maybe like, for example, my group, it's a bunch of ladies that we've all worked at the Henry Ford Museum together here in Michigan. Mm-hmm. So um, kind of getting them involved in it and them starting out their kits. But um, a lot of the ladies that I am friends with in the hobby, they also have kids. So they don't have like the time that I have to dedicate mm-hmm. to finding and or making my own outfits. Um, so sometimes they're they're like, nah I'm not going to. or I have plans. Um, and also like finding locations like you guys are. Very lucky to have a lot of, you know, pubs that people actually, you know, went to or restaurants that had parties. Like I saw your Instagram post one day and I was like, this is so cool. Like I'm so jealous, <laughs> but we have like hanger dances, um, or we just get very creative. So we'll have like parties at like art tents and just like have game nights and just a different way of people to get together. So that's like mm-hmm. what we do here on, at our events, but I'm sure Lance, it might be a little bit different for you.
2: We don't have as many um, pub type events. I do know there's one group here. They do British. uh, Imagine that. They go hit a couple of the pubs in in town around the time we have a hangar dance, Um, either the day before or the same evening before um, showing up to the dance well primed um, and then after. Um, But we've got a, a hangar dance that hopefully comes back. It was at a national park at a uh, a a historically significant airfield here that um, was a lot of fun. They'd have a big band, um, lots of people in in, in 40s dress, whether it's uniforms or or civilian clothes, and then they would have a beer wine bar. Um, uh, But that's really about it. Um, Mm -hmm. Like Jillian said, I'm really envious of the, of the architecture that you guys have to interact with. I mean, Mm -hmm. stuff here from that era is is either mostly gone, really. Um, You know, if it's, um, we had a lot of uh, towns pop up and vanish just because of the war. And and Mm -hmm. so the the things go with them because they're wood and they reclaimed and moved after it.
0: It's a really interesting aspect. I've never really thought of it like that. And I think sometimes in the UK we're we're guilty of uh, of, of, of underappreciating some of those elements there. Be it uh, the Eagle Pub in in Cambridge, where the US Army Air Force used to drink, or the various pubs in Lincolnshire or uh, around the naval bases. Um, you know, there's, there's all sorts of areas like that, which I, I think a, a large proportion of our hobby especially in the UK, probably overlook. Um, We make a concerted effort at least once or twice a year to try and, um, not for the public, but for ourselves privately, to visit these places in equipment to sort of live that immersive experience under our own steam, I guess, to an extent, you know, um, get as many of us as we can there. And I think just going back to that sort of broader sense of those occasion type drinks, be it a hangar dance, be it a, a visit to a pub, for me that is by far my far and away favorite you know aspect of alcohol and i guess entertainment in the hobby and there's a number of reasons for that and and again if i if i'm relating it back to the the um the reasons why i think alcohol is largely a positive which is my current stance on this before we finish this this conversation or debate i guess is for a number of reasons and i think the the first thing is that thing that we mentioned earlier which is about that other side of things it's a historical accuracy of you know it, it, ha- it happened you had multiple uniforms in a pub the rivalry between groups between regiments battalions squads that happened you you get that in the pub you know if you're in the pub and we've got like you know a US group and a British group that happens you know that that rivalry that was there is there to a degree in some similar format so that's a really really important one for me I think some of the elements that I really really love are that you have no choice but to don a dress uniform because for the most part you wouldn't be wearing hbts or you know yeah. some of those sort of things so I think it encourages you to diversify your impression in that sense and I guess just related to the impressions and the uniform side of things as well is the preparation of that equipment so you might have people who are then forced to take care of their kit to iron it to polish the buttons to you know do their hair in a slightly different way be that mail or email and I think mm-hmm. It, Shave. To de- yeah, exactly that. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. to a degree, I think there is just as much, if not more sometimes involved in, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think sometimes in a public event and it's just like living history, it's, it's gear, it's webbing, that sort of stuff. People aren't as detail oriented. but when you, you've got to go to a pub or you've got to go to a dance for the evening you've got to look at it a different way. You're no longer looking at your weapon. You're looking at your buttons. You're looking at what was in your pockets. You're looking at, is that Sam Brown polished? Are your boots polished? Are my laces is correct? Is my hair done right? You know, um, and you're looking at the detail in a very, very different way. So yeah, I guess for me, it's it's just that complete different experience to the daytime you make a
2: really, You make a great point yeah. about the difference. Um, is, you know, anybody could throw on HBTs 41 jacket, a helmet and wear it, you know, it was mm-hmm. worn. Everybody wore it slightly different.
3: Mm-hmm. But
2: when it comes to a dress uniform, there are regulations, you know, you were this here and it looked like this and you mm-hmm. wore it this way. Now you can have, because of the myriad of different, you know, branches and services and all that, they're they all different, but there, there is an attention to detail that has to be placed where you just look horrible.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and you'll get yeah. called out on it. And as mm-hmm. you should, I think, um, it's, um, mm-hmm. and it's a different, you, you really put a great point is it's a totally different experience. Um, yeah. and unfortunately the hangar dance is really about the only time <laughs> we have to do that. I, I wish we, we, the groups that I, I had that I have in my area did more formal occasions or semi-formal occasions.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, because I like putting on that stuff. I have, you know, had it for years, but don't get a chance to wear it. It's a chance to, to get up and look pretty. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I need lots of help
2: with, as you can tell.
1: (laughs) Stop. No. (laughs) Um, from the, like the ladies perspective, like we notice that when guys get dressed up in their dress uniforms, like they carry themselves differently. You know, it's, it's exactly Mm -hmm. as if like us ladies were putting on like a formal gown and we're so excited because you know, our, a lot of our kits are, our original like gowns so we're like we're very excited to wear them we carry ourselves different we put the time and the effort a little bit more than what we've already done (laughs) in the morning to get ready Mm -hmm. but um noticing the guys like they just carry themselves differently because they either you know nailed it completely and they they're honoring that history and that legacy of that uniform of that group um and so it's it's nice to see them you know get dressed up whereas here on the east coast i don't really see that too often like the guys are mm-hmm. like oh man i got to get dressed up like mm-hmm. and go out to a dance like i don't want to i'm tired i just want to yeah. sit around like and have a beer or go out to a bar with some of the guys that don't want to go so mm-hmm. i wish more guys would actually do that cuz it's really nice to see
0: yeah we should start a campaign <laughs> we should let's Let's we need to do that definitely we'll (laughs) have to brainstorm a name I I agree I I mean I I don't understand people that don't have that attitude because I think I've probably got more dress uniforms than not at the moment and I think I've invested more money in getting things tailored and looking right because you know especially if you're an officer these things were tailored to you they weren't you know they weren't baggy and, and I think that's why I really like that side of things because you've got to make it very personal you've got to make that effort so no I completely agree guys do carry themselves in a different way and I think one of the other positives out of this and we're going to go into uh to people's behavior under alcohol i guess uh, in a short while as well but as you touched upon there it makes people carry themselves differently and people who might be yeah. uh potentially a little bit uh, outgoing should we say or very confident or uh loud in certain areas during the day um they sometimes can behave differently on an evening and that's welcomed i think because a lot of people during the day and i'll be very honest in my assessment of some UK reenactors, there can be a lot of misogyny, there can be a lot of sexism, and, and and outright just just profanity that I don't really want to hear during the day. And on a night when some of these guys put on these dress uniforms, you see a change in them. They sometimes become more gentlemanly, you know. Um, and and obviously I can't really comment on on women too much. Um, but for for men, I I obviously, I see that a lot in guys, you know, and even myself, you know, you feel like you should act a little bit different. And I think that's a real positive for the hobby,
2: sense of pride, I think. You put on the, you put on a, yeah. a dress uniform and you assume uh, the pride that comes with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I can attest to the female side. Like it's the same. Like you're mm-hmm. <laughs> for, like my group, like we wear baseball uniforms all day and then we put on our gowns and um, fun fact, we do have like beer cans open during the day. Don't hate me, but <laughs> there's a trick that the women did um, at, like in the forties cause they didn't have hairspray. So they would open a can of light beer, let it go stale throughout the day and then put it in their hair and set their hair Wow. with light beer and the yeast would set their hair. So I'm like, so that's, you know, we use alcohol for beauty purposes.
0: Accuracy. <laughs> I love group. that. The so, finite detail, awesome. Jillian. Well done. <laughs> it <was awesome. laughs> it's
1: the most random thing. And <laughs> we were like, eh, there's no way this works. But no. Um, to get back to my point, like, It's the same thing for ladies. Like we, Mm -hmm. we love getting dressed up and we love going out. I mean, what, what girl doesn't Mm -hmm. (laughs) after watching movies like Pearl Harbor and, um, you know, seeing the dance scenes and like, you want to go and you want to experience that Mm because meeting some of these veterans, they're, they're like so sweet talking to some of us ladies and they're like, Oh, you guys have to go out and take these ladies out and Mm -hmm. all this stuff. So it's nice hearing like the veterans perspective of dances and things like that. Yeah, and I completely
0: agree. And that's why I, I think I've got this real affinity with with occasion drinking, I guess, so to speak, in, in the hobby. Um, as you mentioned, those films like Pearl Harbor and, and others where there are those scenes there. I mean, as a guy, I'm not afraid to say that I've got this overwhelming, like, you know, i watch those scenes in those movies and I'm like, oh man, it gets me right in the feels every single time, you know? And it's like, and it's, it, but it's a bit like that because then when you go to these events, you put on those uniforms, you sort of put yourself in that, that romantic era of, you know, it's... What an, what a crazy emotional time! And I think sometimes for me, I I do the same. I relate it to films. I think you can relate to that a little bit more because you can't relate to the the hell of bullets and mortar rounds and all that sort of stuff. But you can relate to mm-hmm. being in a in a bar with lots of guys and pretty girls being over there and music playing and, and all. That. I'm going to come back onto music in a second, yeah. but you can relate to that so much more. So the immersiveness of that occasion, drink, you know, in the hanger dance, mm-hmm. or whatever it might be, is mm-hmm. so much more real than it is, you know, playing with a blank fire with a tank. Personally,
2: yeah, I'd like to do both, but
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not
2: not at the same time, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but...
0: No bad mix. And and going into music that I just yeah. mentioned there, how important is music in these these evening sort of you know drinking entertainment events?
1: I think it's very important. It it if you're doing yeah. things like you want to have it very authentic and um, you want to kind of get an experience for like maybe one night out of an event weekend or something and you put on period appropriate music and um you have it coming out of like you make shift like a little you know you have a bluetooth speaker but it's in the shell of a actual radio and it kind of yeah, I've got one just the sound down here a little bit. it's uh, yeah yeah it i mean it it makes the experience that much more realistic if you will so
2: it, it, it. To put a context, I alluded that I just spent a week jumping out of airplanes, and and what's really nice about that is that the hangar that everything is in is a B-26 hangar on an old B-26 training base out in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. And when we come back in the morning from jumping, we have to unload the parachutes and lay them out and shake them out, and then we pack them, and always – Always there's 40s music playing mm-hmm. when we're packing parachutes mm-hmm. or um, when we're having chow or it, 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 it is constant. And it's probably mm-hmm. the closest that I've been to a fully immersive event yeah. in years. It's not always, I mean, there's, there's always something modern around, but I mean, you're in a 40s hangar, you're, you know. You're um, there's a hundred people there, all for the same purpose, and you're all dressed in uniform.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, there's there's only there's no sneakers until nighttime, and, and yeah. that sort of stuff. And then it's encouraged to be period sneakers, and there's mm-hmm. alcohol um, when you're off duty, and it's literally an off duty type of thing. But mm-hmm. the music is key. Um, it really sets the mood, and, and hearing it echo through a hangar is really kind of a cool. Yeah,
0: experience. it's so important. I mean, if you think back to, I mean, how often does a song come on the radio in the car or at work, or whatever it might be. And it's, you know, and I don't know about you guys, but I can listen to a song from 1998 and I can pinpoint the exact moment and a memory where I was at that point, you know, 24 years ago. And I can look at that and go, I was here doing so-and-so, thinking this with this person here. And music has this real power to transport you to an exact moment in life and in time. And I think that's, for me, why music is so important. If you can get the right year and that right music playing... It's that added element of realism, where you're being transported back to that moment, which you can be with so many of the memories in relation to music in your life.
2: It's, yeah. it, it's funny that it, if, if you can relate it to a time period, as you mentioned, even the alcohol itself, if you can find hmm. um, mm-hmm. a beer or a scotch or a whiskey or even a wine that was made during that time frame, maybe not from then, might be a little afraid of some stuff from then, but. Um, uh, it kind of helps you take that step back, you know. Everybody wants to drink Vat sixty nine at events, but that wasn't the only Scotch that was around. <laughs> right? And, right. and Lord knows it's not the best. But you, if you can go and have, God forbid, a, a Budweiser or a Schlitz or a, or a, a, an, another regional beer that was uh, around during that time frame, then it can take you there
3: mm-hmm.
2: uh, or help take you there, um, and and that's part of it whether you drink or not, that's still part of it. Like Coca-Cola, everybody drinks a Coke, right? Um, why? Yeah. Some people don't like Coke. Um, some people don't drink soda, but they'll drink a Coca-Cola. Um, it's a very similar type of uh, effect.
0: Interesting point. And do you think it's important? You mentioned that's a very interesting point that I've never actually thought of. Is it important at these vents to, to get to that final degree of authenticity, of accuracy, to be drinking period alcohol? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> drinking out of period alcohol glasses, for example, as well.
2: I, I, yeah. I, I, you know, Rich, we've known ourselves a while. I think you know me well <laughs> enough that the answer is yes.
3: Right?
2: <laughs> I would rather be eating the period food, you know, something that you could eat during that time frame, rationed or not. Um, drinking a period alcohol, um, whether it's Calvados, right? Or um, for a Normandy event um, or um, uh, an ale, an, an English ale for a, a An English, uh, England-based event um, to help set that mood. Mm -hmm. Um, It's you you might as well be wearing, you know, modern black jump boots to me Mm -hmm. if you're going to do it. You know, if you're not going to go that, if you're not going to strive for it, you don't have to get there. It's the effort to strive there because you're not gonna get it perfect it's like when people talk about i want to reenact the you know normandy well you're not going to you're not going to have five thousand ships you know all the yeah. bombers and the tanks and stuff but if you can do something to advance that just a little bit whether it's totally. uh, a scotch a beer of uh, you know fish and chips it it, it helps you get there it sets the mood yeah
0: definitely is that similar for yourself and jillian is that, you know from your own drinking perspective because not everybody likes beer as well you know certain ladies might drink wine or whatever that might be is that a similar sort of feeling for yourself
1: yeah i mean it depends on like the degree of like the event and what your goal is like for that weekend um for me like i've always had a really big interest in food history and that includes drinks and alcohol um and i've gone to the point of i did an entire like you know world war Two ration diet for two weeks wow. i did American and I did British just to see what mm-hmm. it was like, because, wow. um, yeah, we can learn about like the wars and the battles and like the people, but it takes it one step further yeah. and it just connects you like through food. Mm-hmm. It's just like the same when we go to family events and we're like, mm-hmm. Oh, you know, grandma, so-and-so made this 60 years ago and it's still being, you know, translated in our mm-hmm. family events. And yeah. it's the same thing with alcohol. It just brings mm-hmm. you one step closer to the people of that time. Cause we'll never experience something like no. this. And the recipes have changed long. And as far as, you know, the time span that we've had, Mm -hmm. but it, you know, I agree. It just brings you like one step closer to that Mm -hmm. time period where you're not going to get just reading a book about it. You get to actually experience it, whether Mm -hmm. you experience that at home or at an event itself.
0: Yeah, there's there's so much more to it then just uniforms you know like we said you can get so much closer with those elements of music and uh period drinking vessels period drinks and you know i often try to drink like lance mentioned you know if i'm at an rf pub in lincolnshire and try to drink the local ale because that's what would have been drunk at the time um i wouldn't necessarily be drinking a, a, a belgian beer you know that sort of stuff that was that wouldn't be happening um out of a stellar glass or whatever that might be But I guess to an extent, I I also have to encourage people out there, I guess, potentially new drinkers, uh, younger people who are entering the hobby that aren't used to drinking uh, a a large amount. I think what we probably should say is a responsible element as well is, you know, I, I was always quite a slim, skinny guy when I was when I was a teenager and. I, my, my drinking ability wasn't quite there and I couldn't drink more than two or three pints without becoming pretty ill as a teenager. Thankfully, in my uh, my slightly more mature and prime ages, um, I've managed to, to deal with that alcohol level a fair bit more. But I think we should probably say to people that, you know, drink whatever sometimes is, is how can we put this, is, is probably best for your body as well, you know, because alcohol can have pretty uh, varying behavioral changes to you be that physical being sick you know you don't want to be hung over the next day potentially how you might behave to others or yourself as well harming yourself or harming others so i think what we've also got to say as much as we're talking about this in a historical context just be aware of your own limitations um what your body can handle and what it you know what it enjoys what it doesn't enjoy so i think just just bear that in mind as well because i i know personally that you know if i start drinking certain elements they don't really agree with me so i think you also <laughs> have to bear that in mind too <laughs>
2: I think responsibility yeah. is the key in moderation. Um, mm-hmm. you know, while it's important to experience as much of history as you can, you don't have to experience all of it, mm-hmm. right? You don't need to drink until you get sick. You don't need to drink and have a fight. Um, you're going to miss out on the next day either way or end up in jail. And not, none of those are fun. No comment on why I know that, but, um, you know, it, it is important to, to, uh, Know yourself and your body, and, and be mm-hmm. safe, regardless of whatever you're doing, whether it's handling mm-hmm. a weapon, or drinking a beer, or
0: agreed, yeah, wine or, or whiskey, completely. Because I've seen a lot more injury, um, upset caused by alcohol, and events that um, happen under alcohol. Then have happened in private battles with vehicles, putting up tents. You know, I've seen a lot more injury that way. So, how much experience have you guys got with an, a negative? you know, experience from alcohol, both personally and experience through potentially friends or or rematching colleagues?
1: Yeah. So I think like my experience, so like with the baseball team, we try to keep all the rules as authentic as possible with what the (coughs) women had to go through with the All-American Girls Pro Ball League. Like it's just Mm -hmm. like the movie, League of Their Own. Like there was no alcohol. They kind of snuck out to go to the bar. So we kind of keep that same rule. Um, A lot of the girls like in my group, they don't, Drink themselves, um, so it's interesting for a social experiment for them to kind of see everybody else doing it. I, you know, I partake in having a few drinks, but nothing to the point of you know getting intoxicated or anything like that. We're at a reenactment with guns; it doesn't make like a fun hangover <laughs> <laughs> for the next day. Um, so I don't know how some of the guys do it, but um, looking at like people when they get to that point, like of intoxication, it's just like you kind of have a like a negative idea of them. And you're like, ah, you're not the same person. Like, you know, let's go ahead and get you sobered up a little bit. So you kind of take on the mom role at least a little <laughs> bit. But I know some some guys, they kind of take on the role of like a sober monitor. So they'll kind of keep their guys in line just in do. case.
0: That's a good so
1: I've seen I've seen it. I've seen it both ways. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think that's yeah. a really good idea that this, the sober monitor, there's often somebody who doesn't drink or perhaps doesn't drink as much, but I think almost like a nominated person to a degree, if they're willing to do that, I think is a really, really good idea for everybody's safety.
2: I think it's a leadership responsibility yeah. as yeah.
0: Well. well. Yeah, you're yeah. Leadership. Mm-hmm. Really. Yeah.
2: Um, I've had experiences, personal experiences, where I've consumed too much alcohol in the bed. Um, it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a campfire type of thing. It was a, it was a tactical event and um, run around the woods and shoot blanks. Uh, and I missed the entire next day. Um, just, it, we all started having a good time. And next thing I know, I had not had any dinner and consumed more than my fair share of Calvados, fell asleep on my bunk, was woke up the next day. You coming out? I'm like, no, I, I can't function. And so I essentially lost a full day in the field. I'm doing something that I really enjoy and Mm -hmm. um, uh, have made it a point to uh, limit limit the amount of alcohol intake at those type of
0: events Uh, just because I don't want to miss it. Completely. And that, that that's yeah. that's right. It's a hobby. Yeah. And as much as it's fun then, and it is, it is important to acknowledge that it can happen, you know, and it's, it's not the worst thing in the world if it does happen because that is the only way that you can learn sometimes. And I think you made a really good point about leadership. I think if you are a, mm-hmm. a leader of a, of a group or a senior figure in a group or perhaps just somebody with a little bit more experience in alcohol or the hobby, I think mm-hmm. you do have that element of responsibility to keep your guys or girls in check. Um, and that involves whenever you see something which you would not want your self friend partner son daughter to experience be that uh physical or mental or sexual harassment violence whatever that might be because it does occur and there's been occasions where i've noticed casual misogyny you know casual sexual harassment should i call it um light taps of of a lady's part that shouldn't be tapped or you know slight touches here or there or things like that or comments um and there's, and there's no place for it in the hobby at the moment. And I understand that alcohol can sometimes make people's morals, limitations, um, restrictions or filters a little bit more diluted than it perhaps usually is. But I think it's, the, it's, it's important that leaders or, or people within groups can notice when that is starting to happen. And before it does happen, just sort of say to those people, hey, as you mentioned earlier, Julian, this perhaps isn't you. You know, this isn't you before a drink. So mm. just remember that, keep it in check. And I think it's really important that, as we do it to each other as well, you know, to to friends and just to spot that when it is happening, if somebody is getting a little bit angry if they're having that one drink too much or are starting to get a little bit abusive or harassment, you know, be it purposeful or not, just try to sort of nip that in the bud.
2: It's part of being a good friend too. Mm.
1: Really. Yeah, and and to kind of touch on like the harassment part, I know, like I've experienced this and I'm sure plenty of other ladies have experienced this, maybe guys too, but um, Mm -hmm. when I joined Reenacting, you know, you'd go out to different like little pub tents if you will like uh d-day out there's there was a pub called like the drunken monkey and you go and you just have drinks with friends but i've had plenty of times where somebody's passed me a cup and they're like "Hey, yeah, just just take it drink it do you want it mm. and you're like what is it and they don't tell you and you're like mm, no so whether you're like male female like new to the hobby old to hobby like it's okay to say no to Uh a drink like you're not hurting anybody's feelings like I and these were some of like guys that I knew for a while that Mm -hmm. are they're like oh it's fine like "Mm, no I'm good thanks because I know my limits it's important to you know continue to know your limits and it's okay to say no and if you want to stop drinking that's perfectly fine you know just just we need to kind of make that part of of you know drinking in the hobby
0: important to know
1: about especially Mm -hmm. new people coming into the hobby.
0: Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. There's there's a good few experiences where I guess especially in, in my own experience where we, we might drink in rounds. Um I'm not sure how much of a thing that is in the US, but you know, we generally get in a round, be that the whole group or or a small a small level of us, and, and different people's tolerances and drinking speeds vary. And, and there's occasions where um, you know, I've got some some friends in the hobby who are females who are really good friends of mine that I look out for. And there's been occasions where they're in a round with, you know, six or seven guys and trying to keep up. And I've noticed after three or four drinks, Hey, you know, you know, leave her alone. Like she's, she's had enough. And even if she's telling you something different, like, you know, I know her well enough to say she's had enough. She's just saying that because she doesn't want you to think any less of her, you know? And it's like, Yeah. You're totally, totally right. That it's, it's okay for those people, you know, don't feel like you have to say, no, like I am one of the guys or I'm, I can do this. You know, it's like, it's fine to skip that round, to miss it out, to, to look after yourself, basically. And
2: and it's important as a participant in something like that, to be okay with people saying no. Mm -hmm. Yes. And and not think anything less of them. I think, um, it's not about being tough or manly or,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: you know, or whatever. Um, you know because you know face it you drink enough alcohol it'll kill you yeah and um mm-hmm. we don't want that because it'll no. ruin it for everybody right yeah
0: yeah you're right yeah. nothing i mean nothing good comes from over drinking put it that way you know i mean i love a good drink at an event but nothing good comes from going beyond my limit and i've got very i've got a lot better i'm not going to say great at it i've got a lot better at recognizing my limits in recent years and that's made the hobby a more enjoyable weekend overall as you mentioned avoiding the hangovers avoiding the uh the obnoxiousness the uh, you know avoiding some of those incidents that you can get yourself into so i think it's really important to to understand those limits
1: Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, like i I have Plenty plenty of friends in the hobby that are paramedics or EMTs or police officers or ex military. They don't they don't mm. want to spend their weekend taking care of you. Yeah. Really. So like you have to you have to, you know, keep that in mind as you're going. Yeah. Like it's not you're not making an impression on anybody by drinking, you're just mm-hmm. getting to know everybody. Like just think of it like a social happy hour sort of thing. Yeah. Getting to know like new coworkers, mm. if you will.
0: And that's a that was pretty much my next point that we've we've very well segued into, is that for all its negative, um, and for how it can change people for, for the worse, it can also have the the a positive opposite impact on individuals who are potentially a little bit more introverted or perhaps a little bit shy, um, or perhaps new to a group. You know, and I'm I'm the kind of person, believe it or not, who when I first meet a group or I'm around a new crowd, if I'm not um, you know, if the core group of people there aren't my own social crowd, I find it quite difficult to to integrate. So, if I was to go to, if I was to come over to the states and go to an event with you guys, for those first couple of days, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm an outsider. I'm on the edge, just sort of analysing and trying to figure out what to do. And I think alcohol sometimes in these social events are a really good way of of integrating and getting to know people because that those barriers, Dutch courage to a degree, come out. They allow you just to sort of be yourself a little bit more and remove those barriers. So for all of its negatives. I do think that it can have the opposite effect and really help people get to know each other for new people to sort of bed in a little bit more. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I totally agree. Yeah. I think it's something that it's a alcohol is a cultural experience mm-hmm. and it, and it varies, um, within, even within a city at sometimes right? You can have a, this type of beer over here and this type of beer is popular here mm-hmm. or this type of whatever, and particularly when you go to a new place or interacting with a new group of people, I'm very much the same, Richie. Is that I will sit back and watch and and, and look and feel, but somebody hands me a beer and, and starts a conversation. You know, and and your and once you get a little bit of alcohol in you, you loosen up a little bit and become a little less afraid at times, and you can mm-hmm. have those conversations that may take a lot longer to have um, if you know if without it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Completely, the amount of people that I. Had never spoken to at events. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. There's, uh, there's uh, Stewie Griggs who came on our podcast quite a while ago. Somebody who I'd seen at events. All of, I must have seen him like at least once a year for about five or six years at events. Never said hello. The moment that we have an inter-camp group drinking evening, we spent three hours just stood in the middle of the airfield chatting, drinking beers. Like three hours until it was like, we should really go to bed. You know, and that was a positive result of alcohol is that sort of confidence that I'm going to go over and say hello. You know, that's it, it just changes things a little bit.
2: Yeah, I'd like to have a beer in the middle of an airfield with you. That
0: right? would be awesome. Same. same is very good. Well, there is an open invite anytime. I have a spare bedroom. You are both very, very welcome to come down and explore the UK countryside in the in my jeep. Be good fun. You may regret that, but
3: um... <laughs> same. <laughs> open, open invite,
0: but you know, going back to those those positive experiences camaraderie right that was such Good. a thing and, and you only have to watch and I hate to hop back to it, but you only have to watch those episodes of Band of Brothers playing darts you know with the, the, the scene when they bring back the Paris uh, from over there the river Rhine you know those drinking moments you know we've seen the films we've experienced it ourselves it is that camaraderie it's bond building it's I've seen more promotions and things like that happen within groups at these events because recognition for people comes out sometimes that wouldn't usually during the day it brings mm-hmm. opportunities for positive change in groups. I think.
2: I think you're right. I think one of my favorite scenes in yeah. *Band of Brothers*, you bring it up, is the is their prop blast that they're having after jump school graduation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And and it's the it's the coming together of their initial training, and um, they're celebrating that, and they're letting their they're they're in their class A's in various states of inebriation. Um, but they're celebrating them, themselves mm-hmm. and getting to, and, and cementing that bond. And and that is something that you can do that way. And yeah. you're, you're right. right. Recognition is incredibly important to recognize everybody. Um, it just makes for a better group. Um, and celebrating that with a beer is something I like to do. Um, and and um, can spurn, as you mentioned, spurn some really interesting conversations you may yeah. never have.
0: Definitely, and I, I don't know how much this uh, this mirrors things on the female side of things, Jillian. But I think you know, guys, especially um, because of the whole bravado alpha male thing, sometimes, for, especially in the reenacting hobby, because it is quite a negative, nitpicky type place, find it quite hard to say to each other, "Well done" or "You know, great job today." Um, it's it's not mm-hmm. it's not really seen very often, and it sometimes is those occasions socially with a couple of beers where it's, someone will say proud of you for that or you know you look great tonight whatever that might be and and does that reflect at all on the on the female side of things
1: um it's interesting because we like females we don't really have that moment like Mm -hmm. you guys are very lucky that you can recreate like prop blasts and things like that but for us females like we don't really have that like we don't really have documentation of women getting together and kind of doing that other than having like Mm -hmm. a glass of wine or two at home or maybe they were rosies and they came back from the factory and they had a beer at dinner or something like that Mm -hmm. but um our baseball team did find a picture of some girls after a game they were all like dusty and and muddy from the game and just worn out and they were all having a beer and we're like they they weren't allowed to drink in uniform like what Mm -hmm. (laughs) what is going on so we're kind of diving more into that a little bit and Mm -hmm. like with army nurse corps we don't really see that too much either um especially on if they were on duty or you know things like that so It's interesting to see it because we're like, well, did they drink often or was it just at dances and like social events?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I wonder, I always wonder, particularly with with ladies that are in the military, it is the military. Mm -hmm. And some of those traditions and habits are going to carry over. They may Mm -hmm. just not be as well documented because of the norms and mores of the time or perceived norms and mores of the time. Um, Yeah. You know, you get a bunch of guys together, they're going to play cards and drink beer, right? and, and I imagine the ladies did very similar things. Maybe not beer as much as right. other things, but still.
1: Yeah. It'd be interesting yeah, to I, discover. Yeah, I want to keep diving into it for sure. Cause, you know, I hear stories from my mom about my great grandmother having like three jobs during the wartime and taking care of her kids. And, you know, you don't really hear too much about it. It was, it's the age old, it was my duty. Sort of thing. It was my job. We just did it because we had to, sort of thing. And you're just like, well, okay, I want to know more about that. (laughs) Tell me more. And so it's kind of frustrating, like as a female historian and reenactor, to to try to dive into that because that information isn't always there. So we kind of just go off of what do I think this person might have been with the information that I was given with where they were at, sort of thing. Like who are they working with, and what might a Saturday night off duty look like? so we just it's a lot of parties (laughs) yeah it's a lot of dance halls or pubs so you're you kind of have to guesstimate a little bit Mm -hmm. um but yeah for the most part that's we're envious to say the least yeah
0: for sure (laughs) oh you got one thing that we that we shouldn't forget which is which is both uh both common ground for female and male reenactors is that I've met, I've, I know a lot of people who have met their partners in the hobby through these evenings and, you know, being a little bit uh, intoxicated where they perhaps wouldn't speak to this person from another group um, that they'd never speak, spoken to before, that they'd never seen before. The amount of romantic stories. I mean, um, some of my good friends in the hobby are, are now engaged and, and due to be married and 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 met i suspect under the influence of alcohol uh at an event in the uk um you know and i'm not saying that that's how it always happens you know and like we've said there are negatives to, to some of those potential start of relationships but for every negative i think there is occasionally one uh positive story where you know two people have met and established a, a really nice you know long term relationship from from those events and that also reflects obviously what used to happen back in the day across the dance floor you know um at mm-hmm. those kind of events so i think that's another positive that you know you can get these really nice sort of romantic relationships developing as a result of it as well
1: yeah and it's, it's cool if you if you meet somebody like that because you meet in a social setting like a dance or at mm-hmm. a pub and then you have a very unique and an interesting mm-hmm. story as to when your friends yeah. are like well how did you guys meet and you're like well one day in 1944."
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. let me
1: tell you <laughs> i saw uh, this guy in uh, his class a uniform <laughs>
0: <laughs> and how romantic as well you know for it to be like mm-hmm. yeah you know as this total true living history we've talked about immersive experience like how immersive can you get you know meeting your partner in, in that way as well very lucky for those who've done that i think
1: yeah mm-hmm.
2: and you definitely have a shared interest in that case
0: yeah um, yeah you do definitely do and now and, and speaking going back to uniforms which we touched upon earlier you know, I think one of the positives of alcohol, which we've mentioned is that it does give you a much better opportunity to wear the, a wider variety of, of uniforms and, and to test things that you haven't potentially worn But on the flip side of things. Have you guys ever experienced any occasions where as a result of alcohol, you potentially damaged or ruined any elements of your impressions, be that civilly in our military?
1: Yeah.
2: Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I I spilled a glass of wine on a four pocket. Duh. Um, was able to rescue mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. but uh, it was an original four pocket. It's my size, which is, I think it's like a 40, it was a 42. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I had a momentary panic attack and, and my friend's wife was able to, to quickly rescue me, um, mm-hmm. luckily. But yeah, there's always that potential. Um, so it's, a, it's another reason not to get too terribly
0: intoxicating mm-hmm. yep it's right yourself yeah. lead
1: same i have uh, i have three original evening gowns that are 75 plus years old and they're very delicate condition still still great condition but delicate nonetheless and um one of my first years at conneat i i uh had maybe one too many beers and uh, getting Getting changed in the dark in a tent with buttons all the way down your back is not the easiest thing, so I just kind of ended up getting really frustrated and said, well, I could either sleep in this and just stay the rest of the weekend like this, um, or we can just resell buttons on later, so I just kind of did a good old yank (laughs) and just (laughs) popped a couple buttons out, I was like, oh, God. I heard your your heart literally drops when you hear seams rip and you're just like oh mm-hmm. no oh, I don't know if dark, I just yeah. made a yeah and it, it's like I don't know if I've made a terrible mistake and I won't be able to repair this or I'm gonna learn how to do period patches <laughs> so mm-hmm. it ended up being saved thankfully
0: yeah it is a, it is a risk that we uh, a tightrope that we walk should I say when uh, when we're out there drinking uh, in period uniforms especially in the field and I have noticed many occasions where friends have uh, have ended up on their the hands and knees crawling outside of a tent in the mud in a dress uniform, vomiting into the grass, <laughs> which which isn't their finest hour, let, let oh, let's no. say that. But personally I've I've been yeah. pretty lucky for the most part. I've got I've got better in, in recent years, but I do have some memories probably five or six years ago of uh of cutting myself out of boots, reaching for my fighting life and cutting myself out of the leather laced boots because I couldn't untie them. I was too drunk to do so. And but what I've found in recent years is that My care for the uniforms and the equipment has got so great that I think I'm actually better at putting a uniform away in a dark tent at night, Mm -hmm. sort of under the influence of alcohol than I am sober. And a little tip for anybody who is, who is camping, (laughs) I bought this great thing, which is like a mobile tripod with like a triangle sort of hanging system on the top. So you can hang Mm -hmm. like 12 uniforms in your tent with this tiny little tripod thing. And it's great because you come home on a night out and usually, you know, you're like you're trying to hang it off a screw in some sort of tent pole or something. Or hang it off a canvas sort of strap or something like that, but no actual coat hangers, actual sort of tripod type thing. It's like a mini wardrobe in your tent. It's amazing. No, I'm gonna okay, have to gonna have try to, to find, find that, link to that.
1: Yes. I will. <laughs> to that's what I was the thinking. The I,
0: mean, I will, I will put this out there. Disclaimer: It is definitely not military. It's like green plastic. It's absolutely terrible, but for functional purposes and looking after your uniform. It's amazing because that if you're anything like me and you're going for a two-night event, you'll take 12 dress uniforms with you because you won't be able to decide which one to wear. You can take them all and hang them up and they're fine. It's great. Really, really good. Sometimes yeah, you have to sacrifice authenticity. You do. Yes. You definitely do. You definitely do. Particularly all. when it
2: comes to the care and yeah. caretaking of uh, mm-hmm. artifacts.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, now, so the l- last few questions that I've got are, so we mentioned earlier in the episode about people that don't drink in the hobby. Now, considering everything that we've just mentioned there, the positives, the negatives, should we do more for people that don't drink in the hobby? You know, cause I, I imagine every group that I've been involved in there is potentially maybe 10% of people. I would say that don't drink or drink very little. Should we do more to accommodate those people or not? And there's not, and I'm not pushing anybody for a particular answer one way or the other here, but just watch your honest opinion.
1: Um, I mean, (laughs) for me, like I'm a, I'm a very like hospitality mindset person. So I want to make sure everybody feels welcome. So if we're at like the drunken monkey or something, you know, you have options where if you don't drink, like there's no reason for you to feel ashamed that you're not drinking. Mm -hmm. If everybody is drinking jungle juice or whatever, they may be drinking. If you want to have a Coca-Cola, be my guest, go have a Mm Coca-Cola. Like there's no pressure. Um, like I said, a lot of the girls in my in my group, they don't drink. So for them, they'll either bring their own stuff, and that's perfectly fine because they know like what they want to drink or you know, for us, we just, hey, can you have like this for us? And like mm-hmm. whoever is hosting an event will do so. But um for us, like we started just being like, hey, everybody, we're having a party at our tent. Entrance is food or drinks. Whatever drinks you want, bring it, and we're all gonna play like board games. And so we just mm-hmm. kind of make sure, Everybody has like a good time whether they drink or not because everyone's doing an, a, an activity together.
3: Mm-hmm. So
1: we all get to know each other in that social setting as yeah. well. So alcohol is present, mm-hmm. and not everybody partakes, and that's totally fine.
2: Cool. I think uh, I very similar experiences that Jillian. If I'm organizing an event or if I'm um, responsible for some event, I try to make sure that there's something for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of our events, it's bring your own and um so those who don't drink bring whatever they like to drink and um those that do drink bring whatever they like to drink and and whether it's playing games or like i said we watch movies sometimes um uh, but i think it's important to have something for everybody and if you're organizing a vet you definitely have to consider it and make it it's part of the team right and and, Mm -hmm. and being open and and helping everybody enjoy the hobby and the more you start to organize things and do things, the more of a responsibility that becomes and you need to consider it for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I'm, I'm not going to sit on the fence at all with this one. Um, for me, <laughs> <laughs> not that I often do, but um, my mindset around it in opinion is, is very much that by nature of what happens in the hobby, as we've alluded to earlier during the daytime, it's very, very rare at events that you can partake in alcohol throughout the hobby. So the way I generally look at it is that you've probably got what from six pm on an evening till late to 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 enjoy yourself. And and the way I look at it is that there is a time and a place for people that don't drink in the hobby. And I think that is primarily throughout the day. And I think you know that means for me you then can't expect people to not do their thing you know, on an evening mm-hmm. when you've potentially had your thing during the day. And I think that's the great thing about the hobby is that it isn't just a social party all the time, you know? Um, so I think one, I think it already has that level of something for everybody. Um, when you've got that element of public, uh, areas throughout the day, I think my second sort of point on it really is that for me anyway, that like it is a hobby as much as it's probably my, not probably definitely my biggest passion in life. It's also an escape on a weekend. It's a hobby. And I look forward to the social, uh evening entertainment drinking element just as much as I do about the Mm -hmm. accurate field impression that I'm going to do during the day so I think that escape and that hobby aspect of it can't be overlooked because for some people mental health wise as well going out there and having those four or five beers with a friend I mean I can only speak from personal experience but you know in some of my deepest darkest moments the only thing that is 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 gave me light in my life is it's been having other thought of having a few beers with some of my closest friends in kit mm-hmm. you know um mm-hmm. as much as i enjoy the other bit that that's been the best the best sort of part of it and moving on from that the accuracy element that we mentioned earlier that you know that that immersive experience again whether you partake in drinking or not that experience happened so it's like me saying mm-hmm. uh, you know going to go to an immersive event but I don't want to get, I don't want to get muddy. I, I don't want to do it in the rain. I don't want to, you know, you can't avoid that. So for me, it's like, yeah. if you truly want to immerse yourself in living history, then like it or not, you're going to have to deal with that, you know, for me. Um, and secondly, if you don't want to deal with it, you, you don't have to either. You know, nobody's going to force right. you to go to the beer tent. Nobody's going to force you to sit around a campfire and drink. 10 can you know by all means go to your tent or you know stay at a hotel off camp you know if there is one nearby uh, potentially avoid events where they're alcohol focused um so for me i think when, uh, the way i look at it is that everybody has a choice and i think there is something for everybody it's just picking and choosing and I, there's nothing worse i think for me sometimes and sometimes people saying i you know i don't want to go to pub tonight It's be like well Okay, like be proactive, suggest something before the event starts, you know, potentially Mm -hmm. suggest an event on an evening or an activity, which can mean that a good good example, we were in the Petwood Hotel in Lincolnshire a few months ago and, you know, we, everyone was playing snooker, you know, traditionally in this whole hall, but there's a great example, you know, organizing a snooker tournament, a pool tournament where alcohol isn't the main goal of the the evening, you know? So I think for me, there is something for everybody and I think people just have to be aware of their you know, other people's enjoyment and just be a little bit more proactive in suggesting activity as well
2: everybody's responsible for their own fun
0: Uh and
2: um, you know, it's, it's yours and it's yours and, and it's not, I'm, you know, I'm not going to, hopefully I'm not going to get drunk and make a fool of myself and ruin it for you, but it's ultimately your responsibility to have the fun that you want to have and whether it's with alcohol or without alcohol. Uh
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same too. Like if you're, if you're a leader in your group and you're planning, you know, what activities you guys are going to do for the weekend, it's important to get other people in your group, you know, involved in the planning. It's like, hey, what, what do you think we should be doing? And how can we make this different? I'm gonna give you and like, I'm gonna make you in charge of that. So everyone has a hand in helping plan the activities and fun. And I think that's really important.
0: Completely agree, and if if people can keep their squads, their their groups, their members in line, um, and in you know, I think the other thing as well is is set a behavioural standard. You know, write this down, make sure that every member of your group is aware of, of what is expected from them when wearing the crest of your group on their chest or or in their minds at least. Um, then you are required to behave and conduct yourself in a certain written manner, you know, and I think that that makes things a little bit easier. And just remind people a little nod to your group's values and behaviors. We don't accept that kind of behavior or, you know, I think that helps keep people in line because, you know, for some of the non-drinkers in our group, I think they've had some amazing times, for example, driving back from pubs down the Lincolnshire roads, back to the, back to the airfield, you know, you you can't get anything more immersive again. I mean, we were in American trucks. That wasn't quite uh, perfectly accurate, but still you know driving back from the pub in a period vehicle with eight to ten guys and girls in driving back to a wartime airfield like you know and singing wartime songs that is you know those guys are really enjoying that but what they don't enjoy as part of that are people you know banging in their vehicles and hanging out with the vehicles and making it difficult for them to drive so you know it's it's balance right you know enjoy the, the the real life aspects of that but just make sure that everybody aren't doing those extra things that just take it a little bit too far Yeah.
1: That sounds amazing, by the
0: way. I I, no, I would not like people <laughs> hanging out of the
1: vehicles, but like was, the whole drive, like, like
2: mm-hmm. yeah and, and, you know, I, I like the fact because oh it's not the period it's
0: not the it's the American vehicles. I'm like, it's still freaking awesome. It is it is good. I it's will still admit England, I mean, like, yeah. come on. Yeah. <laughs> Got some amazing experiences, you know, driving back to Duxford in the back of an Austin ambulance. Um you know, singing Jerusalem and getting out of the vehicle and standing on the tarmac outside of the original hangars in Duxford, um, you know, hearing your voices echoing off the hangars in this sacred airfield. It, it's, you know, it shivers down my spine thinking about it now. And yeah, that that's one of the reasons for me why, you know, the final question is, do we need alcohol in the hobby? And it's a resounding yes from me because of those moments, because personally personality do you speak in there is no chance that i am singing world war ii songs um in broad daylight without alcohol <laughs> but you know i have that be it and i'm you know and i'm immersing myself right, in that right, and i right personally need that
1: right, right yeah i'm not
2: singing anything without alcohol no it's daytime or night no way alone or around anybody else mm-hmm. um, yeah duxford's a magical place it
0: really is it yeah, definitely is. And you guys are welcome over any time to join us in in one of our street uh, daytime drinking events, or, or be at a pub, a pub evening with a trip back to the airfield. By all means, and I, you know, I'm super keen on organising some sort of international or you know wider cross group events like this sort of thing. We should definitely be doing it a lot more.
1: Yeah, I I think that would be amazing, and I'm all in.
2: <laughs> yeah, me too when's the next one Book my flag. i think we're decided yeah. yeah
0: i think we'll i think we'll have to finish it up there and uh and get and get arranging uh get arranging <laughs> this event but you know just to finish it up but well, we all agreed that alcohol definitely has a, a strong place in the hobby yep.
2: I, it does mm-hmm. it, i think it really does mm-hmm. um it's a part of the hobby just like uh, putting on your uniforms part of the hobby yep.
0: agreed agreed yeah. on that though well and- thank you so much <laughs> for joining us guys um i think we've covered a lot of lot of ground there i think we've covered some of the negatives some of the positives there i think we've, we've set down some really nice ground rules people as well um which hopefully people can reference back to sort of help their improvements uh, their their sorry experiences uh, in the future and improve those things as well and thank you for, for joining me in a, in a beer or, a, or a pretend whiskey sours as well at uh, two thirty <laughs> to 3 p.m uh, in the afternoon over there as well it's greatly appreciated thanks for thank having you me for on. having us no problem. And uh, hopefully, we'll see you guys actually in person uh, rather than digitally in the next couple of years, be that over in uh, Dido, Ohio, or on a Lincolnshire airfield. would yes. love that, outfit. Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. The invitation extends out to you as well to come over to the state.
0: Mm. we definitely, definitely love that. We might need to do that and swing by a couple of different states, I think cool right well thank you so much everybody for listening uh, that's all for now we're back next week and we are speaking about gliders next week if you're into the glider pilot regiment or you're into operation market garden varsity and beyond in normandy then do listen out and hopefully we'll have some good educational bits for you next week as well but for now that's all so thank you very much for listening have a great evening wherever you are and we'll see you all again very very soon